inspiring, it's amazing. And in that clip, obviously, we see Forrest running. He just runs and runs and runs, and he just keeps on running. And he says he's doing it for no particular reason. He doesn't even understand it. He's just kind of wandering. He's just wandering across the country. And what's interesting is that works great in a movie. It's awesome to have him wander in the movie, but it doesn't work in life for us. Sometimes we feel like we're just wandering through life. No destination, no purpose at all. So how do we find our purpose? How do we find what we were created to do? Well, we're going to continue on in our summer in the Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 95 today. But before we do that, will you pray with me, please? Father God, we thank you for things like movies that cause us to reflect, that cause us to think about things differently. Father, as we come here today, you know that many of us are kind of wandering through life right now, trying to figure out our purpose, our destination, and our direction. Father, we pray through your word today that you would reveal that truth to us. I pray, Lord, that whether we are in the valley or whether we are on the mountaintop or somewhere in between, Lord, that your word would speak to us this very day. Father, we gather here not because we're perfect, because we know that we're not. We know that, Lord, we're a mess, and Lord, we need your love, we need your guidance, we need your grace. So, Father, speak to us today, and may we be more than just hearers of your word, may we be doers of your word. And all of God's people said, amen. We started our worship service this morning, and you probably have noticed that we've been starting our worship services for a while now with a call to worship. And they're taken directly from the Psalms. And the reason that we're doing a call to worship is so all of us can better understand that we are called to worship God, that God calls us in to worship God. And what the call to worship does is it unites the people of God around our King, around our Redeemer, around the one true God. It's calling us to come together. And that's what's happening in Psalm 95. And so if you've got your Bibles, you want to pull it up on your phone, we'll have it up on the screen. We kind of want to go through this in two parts. We're going to go through the first seven verses, and then we're going to go through the second seven verses. So Psalm 95, starting verse 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Let's, let's stop right there and, and kind of try to unpack this just a little bit. So there was a call to worship that was sent out into the community of God. And so the people would hear this call. Usually it would be a priest calling. And then people would start to come to worship. They would come to worship their God and their king. And understand that the way that the temple was uh, constructed, you kind of had three parts to come in. So it was a journey to get there. So the people would come. They'd come through the first part. They'd come into the courtyard. And then they'd keep going. And all the way along the way, they would be greeted by greeters. 
That's one of the reasons why we have greeters at the church. It's not just because it's a polite and nice thing to do. It's actually a biblical thing to do as people come to worship. And what the greeters would do is that they would encourage people to prepare their hearts and their minds and their voices to come and worship God. So when we come into worship, we've got to prepare our hearts, we've got to prepare our minds, we've got to prepare our voices because we are coming to worship our God. And within the first seven verses, we have quite a few of let us statements. So that are these greeters that as the people are coming in the door, they're saying, hey, let us get ready. And I want to share some of those with you. They say this, let us sing, let us make a joyful noise, let us be thankful, let us sing praise songs, let us bow down, let us kneel. I mean, there's a lot of let us statements to prepare our hearts and our minds to come in and worship God. And one of the things that we can surmise from just the first seven verses is that when the people come to worship, their lips are filled with praise and their hearts are filled with humility. They stand and sing their praises to their God and King, but they bow down in reverence to their God and King. So their hearts and their minds and their bodies and their voices, they are preparing to come in and worship God because they know who God is and they know who they are. And so it is this reasoning that we've got to prepare to worship. Now, one of the things that we see in this text that the ancient uh, believers, they could really hold on to is they knew who God was. And these are not things that we typically think about when we come to worship. We don't think about God in certain language. So I want to give you the things that we find from this text that this is what filled the hearts and minds of people when they came to worship God. Number one, He is the rock of their salvation. God is the rock of their salvation. Number two, He is a God above all gods. There is no God that is greater than Him. And number three, He is their maker. He is the shepherd of the flock they are under. So when the people came to worship, their hearts, their minds, their voices, they were ready because they were coming to worship the one that was the rock of their salvation. They were coming to worship their God who's above all gods. They were coming to worship their maker. They were coming to worship their shepherd. And if we're going to come and we're going to worship God and we're going to congregate and we're going to gather to worship our King and our Redeemer, then our hearts have to be filled with humility and our lips have to be filled with praise. And do you know that we are called to worship? Listen to what it says here in Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to sing. We're called because singing is kind of this full body experience where you're standing and you're looking and you're praising and, and your voice is coming out and your heart's engaged and your mind's engaged. That's the kind of approach that the psalmist is teaching us when we come in to worship God. We've got to be ready. He is the rock of our salvation. When you think of a rock, you think of something that is immovable. You think of something that if it's there, it's not going anywhere. It's strong. It's sturdy. It's solid. And God is the rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation. We did some landscaping at the front of our house over the last couple of weeks. And the way our, our front yard goes, it kind of slopes down a little bit. And so we put all these plants in the ground and we realized that if we don't want them to erode away, to be washed away, to be blown away, we're going to need some rocks. So we went to, to where we got the plants and we got these rocks and we placed them on the back end so that nothing could go. And so we knew that, you know what, if a thunderstorm filled with lightning and wind and rain comes, 
They're not going anywhere because the rocks are there. When a snowstorm comes, we don't have to worry because nothing will slide away because those rocks are there. And even if a tornado would come, and we hope it doesn't, but even if it did, we know that those rocks would not go anywhere. Jesus Christ is our rock. Because we know that storms will come. We know there'll be thunderstorms. We know there'll be snowstorms. We hope there won't be tornadoes. But in life, we know that storms will come. And so when we hold on to Jesus Christ as our rock and we come and worship the rock of our salvation, we know that nothing can move us no matter what storm may come our way. We have our rock. The second thing that the people came filled with worship was that their God is the God above all gods. You know, there were multiple gods in the ancient world that people worshipped. And we like to think that there are not multiple gods in our world, but there are. Technology is a god. Materialism is a god. You know, self-gratification is a god. I just want to be happy, so I'll do what I want. So there are lots of gods. But when the people came to worship, they said, our God is above all gods. Now, there are two, two ways God reveals himself to us. Special revelation... And that's when the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts and helps us know who God is through Jesus Christ. The second is called general revelation. And general revelation is when we walk out this door and we see the majestic beauty of creation in our community, in our country, and in our world. And that's what the psalmist is talking about, that I know my God is above all the gods because I just have to look around and see it. And he gives four ways that God is above all gods. Number one, he formed the depths of the earth with his hands. Number two, the mountain peaks belong to him. Number three, the sea is his. And number four, he formed the dry land. Have you ever just stopped for a moment when you were outside and looked around and said, God made this? We have some friends that recently went to the Grand Canyon. And they came back and they were just dumbfounded by it. Like, this is beautiful. It is amazing. And you know what? Who made that? It wasn't Apple and it wasn't Google. It was God. And he's above all gods. Have you ever seen the sunset just right? There are beautiful sunsets here in Nebraska. Have you ever, have you ever seen the sunset? And it is gorgeous. Have you ever maybe been by the ocean? And just the stillness of the entire ocean sometimes and go, that's God. That's the God we worship. And so the, the people coming to worship God, they said, you know what? He's the rock of our salvation. He's the God above all gods. And lastly, they say he is our maker. He is the shepherd of the flock that we get to be in. In the Bible, it says that God knitted us in our mother's womb. God has created you and I, but he's not done with us by creating us. It says he is our shepherd. Do you know that sheep are considered one of the least intelligent animals. Guess who the sheep are? That's us. And what happens if a sheep doesn't have a shepherd? It just wanders. It wanders and it can get into all kinds of trouble. And there are all kinds of predators out there that are ready to pounce on the sheep. But what does the shepherd do? The shepherd always protects the flock. Listen to how Jesus tells us this. In Matthew 18, he says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go back to look for that one that wandered off? 
And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. He is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. Guess who wandered off? We have. We have wandered from God, but by God's grace, we have a shepherd who came and left the 99. He left those that were safe. Jesus Christ left his throne in heaven, and he came down to, to save those of us that were wandering away from the flock. How can you not come and worship the one who left the 99 to come and to find you and to find me? How can we not worship the immovable rock of our salvation that no matter what happens in our life, no matter what failings, no matter what heartaches, he will not be moved. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. How can we not worship the God of creation? If he created the heavens and the earth and he created us, he can get us through the difficult days. See, this, this psalm is about worshiping God. And we have to know who we are and we have to know who God is. We have to know what God has done for us and what we've done to God. God sent his only son because we sin. He is a rock. He's above all gods. He's the shepherd. This past week and a half, two weeks, not only our nation, but really around the world was an event that captured everybody. And that was the 12 soccer players, the Thai soccer team that was trapped in a flooded cave. It was a unique event that the entire world could put aside politics and everything else and say, what do we do? Not only was it hard to find these kids and their coach, once they were found, it seemed near impossible to try and rescue them. And so the best of the best were gathered. Navy SEALs are the best of the best. And engineers, and they tried to find a way. How do we get into the cave? How do we get them out of the cave? And oxygen and all these things. And so they finally found a way. They designed a system, but it would take getting oxygen along the way. And so they would go in, the divers would go in, and they would get the boys, and they would bring them and get them oxygen and get the boys and bring them out. But do you know that one Navy SEAL lost his life? He lost his life because he was bringing oxygen so that the children could have enough of it to get through the water in the caves. He gave his life so others could have life. That's what Jesus did. He gave his life so we could get out of the cave, the, the flooding of sin around us, so that we could be free. Did you see any of the celebration after the news broke that the, the soccer team was rescued? People took to the streets and they were clapping and they were singing and they were praising and they were so grateful that what was lost was now found. What they once thought was dead was now alive. They were praising, they were so grateful. That's what our hearts need to be for worship. We have to know who we are, and we have to know who God is, and what he's done, and what we've done. And so what the psalmist lays out, the first seven verses are about worship. Why we come to worship? Because he's the rock of our salvation, the God above gods. He's our maker and our shepherd. But now let's read the second seven verses. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a warning, a bit of a reminder. It says this. Today, if you would only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. <laughs> 
Now, there's a real change in tone here. Okay, and this was probably said by a prophet or a priest that would come at the beginning of worship and, and kind of give a reminder to say, the people who have come to worship, there needs to be a, a mindset difference here. You cannot just come to worship out of obligation. You must come out of anticipation. There's a difference between coming to worship God out of obligation versus coming to worship out of anticipation. And let me explain that. I know there are so many of you that are so excited about the upcoming Husker football season. I mean, you're excited, right? Here we got Scott Frost, brought him home. All the excitement of, man, is he going to have the same offense like he did at Central Florida? Are we talking 13-0? and 0? Are we talking going back to the championship game? Everybody is so excited. And I know when the season kicks off and everybody is ready and Memorial Stadium's there, there are people going to go down out of obligation? I guess we got to go. Or anticipation. We get to go. It's anticipation. People can't wait to get there. And they're going to be in the parking lot tailgating. And then they're going to walk into the stadium. And then they're going to see on the field. It's like you're going to worship. I'm outside. I'm inside. I'm there. And what are they going to do with the game? Are we going to raise hands? You betcha. Are we going to cry out? You betcha. Are we going to high five each other? You betcha. Because it's people united around something that brings joy. Shouldn't we have that when we come to worship God? I'm not saying you can't have it when you go to watch football, but shouldn't we have that when we worship God? That's what the psalmist is saying. It's a reminder to say we've got to come and worship God out of anticipation. What will God say to me today? How will God speak to me today? How will God move me today? Whether it's through the music or the fellowship or the message, I can't wait to see what God's going to do today. But sometimes we come out of obligation. Well, Sunday, I guess I got to go. The psalmist is saying we need to come out of anticipation. He says this, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah. Hardened hearts. Hardened hearts are like hardened clay or hardened bread. They're really of no use. And they really can't be changed in any way. And so what the, what the psalmist is saying is you got to get your heart right to worship God. See, the first part of this psalm is about worship. The second part is about wandering. We sang about that earlier. See, you either go through life worshiping God or you just go through life wandering away from God. And so the psalmist gives this great example of how when the people of God were there and they were testing God because he said, all right, God, you brought us out of Egypt, but now what? You brought us out here to die. I can't believe you did this, God. Why would you bring us out here to die? They're complaining to Moses and Moses is like, hey man, I'm just following directions. And everybody's all mad at Moses. They're all mad at God. And they started to wander from the truth of God. Now, they, they, they kind of complained to Moses, but really what they were doing is they were wandering from God. Sometimes people, and, and we've all been there, I can't go to church anymore. I don't, I don't like the music. I don't like the pastor. I don't like the color of the bulletin. I don't like the drapes, you know, whatever it is. And we think that's why we don't come to church. We say, well, I'm really busy. And my kids got, no, that's, 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 that's the surface. What's underneath is we're starting to wander from God. We're starting to wander from the truth of who God is. We're starting to believe, well, maybe he's not the rock of my salvation. You know, maybe he's not above all gods. Maybe he's not my shepherd. Maybe he's abandoned me. He's not. And so they give this example of how the people of God are, they're complaining and they're, 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 they're all over Moses about this. And the psalmist is reminding the people, 
Don't wander from God. It says here, remember what I did. What did God do? He brought them out of slavery. Pretty good. He parted the Red Sea. That's a nice trick, right? Just parted the Red Sea right through. He provided the manna in the desert. They needed food. He provided. But yet all of a sudden now, they don't believe he's the rock of their salvation or worthy of his praise. They don't have praise on their lips or humility in their hearts. They're starting to complain. And so the, the, the psalmist is reminding the people, why do we worship God? Because God is good. God is faithful. Don't wander from God. And see, what happens if we wander from God, if you want to know the answer of what happens if we wander through life and wander from God and not worship God, go to verse 11. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Boy, how many of us want rest, right? We're all tired. You may be tired physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, or just all of the above. The only place we find true true soul rest is with God through relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only place we can find true rest, eternal rest. And what the psalmist is saying is if we were just keep wandering away from God, from God's truth, we're not going to experience that. We need to worship our way through life. And see, the people were not going to enter rest, and that reminds us of Numbers 13 and 14. Do you remember when God had, had said, I'm going to give you the promised land? And so that all the spies come up and they go into the promised land for 40 days. Like, this is what God gave us. God promised us. This is awesome. And so 10 spies come back, right? And what's their report? Their report is, we can't. Their report is, we can't. They're too big. We can't defeat them. We'll never take the land. What they were saying is, God's not the rock of our salvation. God's not above other gods or even above those in in the promised land. And God is not our shepherd, so we can't do it. What did Caleb and Joshua come back with? Not a we can't, God will. Because they worshiped God. Because God was the rock of their salvation. Because God was above all gods. Because God was their maker and their shepherd. See, when when we truly worship God, we don't have to live a life of we can't. We can live a life of God will. God will do this. God will get me through. And so what happened? God said, you know what? Because of your wandering away from me, I'm going to add a year for every day that you are in there spying. It's like your parents saying, I'm going to give you a day of punishment for everything you say. 40 years. That's why they got 40 years. They wandered from God. And so God said, if you want to wander from me, I'm going to let you wander from me. And we all know how that ended. But you know that this text... It's such a profound text that it's in the New Testament. If you've got uh, your Bible and you want to look at Hebrews, and I think we'll, we'll have it up there, this is a powerful text that is used in the book of Hebrews to talk about repentance. Listen to what it says. It's almost verbatim. It says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ. If we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first, as it has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all that those Moses led out of Egypt and with whom he was angry at for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert and to whom God did swear that they would never enter his rest? if none to those who disobeyed. So we see that we are not able to enter because of their unbelief. See, when we wander from God, we're rebelling against God. 
And so we need to understand that we need to repent. Repentance of, God, I've wandered from your truth. I've, I've wandered from your ways. I've wandered from your wills. I've become a we can't people instead of a God will people. See, when we worship God, we know that God will provide, that God will get us through. But we have to truly worship God. We can't just wander from God. And see, one of the, the challenges that we have is we think that as long as we can check the box of being at church, that that's all that we need. Hey, I was physically there. God, bring the blessings. But listen to what it says in Hebrews 4. It says this. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Meaning, here's the meaning. You can't just be in worship. You have to engage in worship. A worshipful lifestyle. Praising God on your lips. Humility in our hearts. See, we come and we worship God because of who he is and what he's done. And we should be filled with joy and exuberance because God is good and God is faithful and God will. And God has. And God will do again. But when we wander from God, you start to hear our language change to we can't. I can't. It won't. Maybe that's because we're starting to, to wander a little bit. But when we're truly worshiping God, when He is that rock of our salvation that is unmovable no matter what storm we're in, when we know that He's above all gods, when we know that He is our maker and our shepherd, we know that God will. I think just about all of us have probably seen Forrest Gump a bunch of times. I love that movie. It's a great movie, one of my favorite movies. And that scene, if we had played it out a little bit, you remember Tom Hanks, he just keeps on running. He's just wandering all over the place and people start to follow him even though he's wandering. And do you remember that final scene? It's kind of a Damascus Road experience where he's kind of running in the desert, it looks like Arizona or somewhere, and he kind of comes up and he just kind of stops. And all the people behind him are like, oh, wait, 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 he's, he's going to say something. We've been following this guy. This is going to be something. He's got the long beard and the long hair, right? He's ready to go. And he turns around and remember what he says? I'm tired. I'm going to go home. That's a dead on impression too right there. I mean, take that to the bank. But even Forrest realized it's time to stop wandering. It's time to come home. How many of us are just feeling like we're wandering through life? It's time to come home to Jesus Christ. He's our rock. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. I want to encourage you. I want to ask our band to come back up, our worship team. I want to encourage you today. Just reflect on your heart. Do you feel like maybe you're wandering a little bit? You know, sometimes that happens to us. We wander a little bit. Do you, do you, want, to, do you want to get back to saying, I know God is my rock. I want to get back there. I want to encourage you to just reflect on, on what we're going to sing. I want you to, to just kind of pray through this song. I'm going to give you three things to, to think about and to talk about. Um, talk about these in the car. Talk about these over lunch. Number one, why do you come to worship God? Only you can answer that question. Why do you come to worship God? Is it because he's your king, your redeemer, your Lord, the rock of your salvation? Why? You have to answer that question. Number two, who is God to you? Who is God? Is he your king? Is he your redeemer? Or is he that genie in the bottle that when you really need something, that's when you come to God? Who is God to you? And number three, do you know how to enter into God's eternal rest? 
Let me answer that one for you. It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you want to enter that eternal world,